Today and this weekend, it's a no-politics zone. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. There's been so much news that has to do with politics. I decided this weekend to walk away from all the politics. We can get back to it maybe in a day or two. And, and turn my attention and your attention to some other things that I believe that I believe are very important. I've been doing this program now since the 31st of August, the five-day-a-week version plus the weekend. Now, for five and a half years, it has just been your weekend show, one program that ran on several radio stations around the country and around the world, and also as a podcast. And in those five and a half years, the program has gradually grown to have a following. And I've noticed that since we started the new daily five-day-a-week program, it has continued to grow at a somewhat faster rate. Now, I haven't had a whole lot of time in the last several weeks with elections and, and all of that to talk about some of the correspondence that this program is getting. For about a week or so, I was urging people to let me know either by regular U.S. mail or by email if they are listening to the program and how they're listening and what their thoughts about the program continuing are. And should the program remain even on on shortwave radio? Well, a lot of people have indicated they would love to see the radio program continue on shortwave radio, and I appreciate that. But the reality is that I may still have to cut back on the number of hours because, frankly, the financial resources to continue much longer are not there. Uh, we started this program on shortwave. I know that I, on Monday, for example, on WRMI, there are two airings in the afternoon and early evening and then one later at night. Actually, there are two later at night. And I'm beginning to think that the majority of people listen at either the 4 in the afternoon Eastern Time or, or 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Maybe we'll just continue one airing a day, Monday through Friday. I think we can handle that. But continuing on with you know four airings on Monday and four on Tuesday and two on Wednesday and three on Thursday and Friday, when you add the numbers up, it's more than the budget's going to stand. So I think moving forward we're just going to have to pull the plug on some of the airings in the next week or two i've enjoyed doing it and i i really believe that there's some good in doing this but but the support to continue it is just not there and i'm not a big corporation i'm not i'm not part of something that can pay for it it's just me and my wife and i are retired and so we're living on our retirement income just trying to be obedient in doing a program like this one that a lot of people say is meaningful to them on a lot of levels. I try to talk from the heart. I try to talk rationally about what what I'm seeing occur in the world today, be it political, be it cultural, whatever the case may be. I'm just looking at the world and I try, I've always tried to be very pragmatic, very practical. When you work in the things that I did for for decades in engineering, things either work or they don't. Or if they're not working right, you either need to fix it or do something with it. 
in my engineering world, there are certain absolutes you cannot defy. And, and that's true in life in general. There are certain absolutes you cannot defy. And every time you do, you get yourself into a problem culturally or even politically or morally or spiritually. When you look at some of the things that we accept in our society today that would never have been tolerated 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, it all may sound on the surface as very loving and caring, but it also can be very internally destructive to people. I've gotten some people mad when I talk about like some of the transgenderism issues, especially when you have little children. And I've seen this before where you have court cases going on where a mom wants to transcend her little boy into a little girl and the father, and of course these are divorce situations, is saying he doesn't really want to be a girl. I think that when you have this kind of fighting in a court going on, there's something wrong either psychologically with the mother or maybe, but I doubt it, with the child. And when you're dealing with a very young child, they're very impressionable. Uh, They live in a fantasy world. They haven't quite figured the world out. And there's always a little bit of investigating going on and and testing the waters and, and wondering. It's a normal part of childhood. And for us to take a cue from a child that is interested in girls' dolls and assume, oh, my child is a transgender that needs to be a girl now because my little boy suddenly has taken an interest in dolls. That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. I can't really remember my childhood that great, but I'm sure that I was curious about dolls and, and some of the girls' toys because they were there. Just like girls will look at some of the boys' toys and think, hey, you know, I want to play that too. When children are young, gender is not yet all that important to them. They haven't gone through some changes hormonally in their life. They're just essentially, for the most part, children that are physically growing, mentally learning and growing and exploring this world to learn what this world is to survive. And for us to suddenly jump in the middle of all this and declare that some young boy, because he showed an interest in some of the girls' toys, he must be transgender, is cruel. And then you have doctors, and these doctors, I question if they should even be allowed in the medical industry, are willing to use chemical and and drugs to literally destroy a child's body permanently to accomplish the goal of transgenderism. I think that should be forbidden. Honestly, maybe 40 years ago, maybe 80 years ago, maybe 100 years ago, somebody that's 16 years of age, well, they, they could make some pretty incredible decisions because they had lived a difficult life in many cases. They had to work. Things were not simply handed to them. And if you look, I found this online. You'll have to look it up one day. People make fun of those that only had an eighth grade education, you know, like 30, 40 years ago. 
But have you ever looked at what the what it took to get out of the eighth grade in just like Salinas, Kansas, back in, you know, the late 1800s? I doubt if some of the students coming out of Harvard could pass this test. I'm serious. I know that most high school students cannot pass it. I find things that would have been a challenge to me 50 years ago, let alone 52 or 53 years ago. We had higher expectations for young people decades ago. No doubt about that. You know it and I know it. There were higher expectations. Today, not so much. Today, kids get pushed through school, and there's always an excuse why they can't function or or do things that they're supposed to. Oh, he has attention deficit disorder. He's got this, so give him this drug. Do that. We drug our kids into submission to make the teacher's life happier because we have stopped raising and training our children, and we're letting them go in any direction their little hearts desire. Am I getting through? Am I getting through to you? And so we have this new thing of transgenderism that has been around now for a number of years, but it seems every year it's increasing. And, and And I have to wonder, is this people trying to fit in to this crazy world, or do we have what I actually think is going on, a reprobate mind syndrome just multiplying before our very eyes. Now, I know I've got people that listen to this program that that do not believe like I do. I understand that. And I have a very deep Judeo-Christian ethic, but you're not going to find me what I call a fire-breathing fundamentalist. I do believe that the scriptures are true and contain everything necessary for salvation on that, I have no doubt at all. There are certain things I choose never to argue because you can get yourself into meaningless debates. But there are some things that I never, I never compromise on. The virgin birth of Jesus Christ, his ministry on this earth, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascending into the heavens, and his coming again. Those things are, to me, the non-negotiables. There are a lot of things you can talk about that might be, but those are not. And those that that gave their life, in many cases, for the cause of Christ in the, in the early church, well, you know, they, they, I look at what they wrote and the record they left behind, And one of the reasons I believe, as I do, the truth of the scriptures is simple. And I want you, even if you are a non-believer, I want you to stop just for one moment and think about this. Those 12 disciples walked with Jesus for almost three years. One betrayed him. And Matthias replaced him. But those 12 pretty much gave up their life for Christ. They were beheaded. They were hanged. They were 
crucified, they were beheaded, all because they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ and what they believed. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time thinking that at least one of the 11 that were remaining would have said, you know, you're right, Mr. Roman soldier, you're right. This guy really didn't do what he said. We're just making it up. And, and yeah, I renounce this and I'll, I'll, I'll stop preaching this because it's not true. What did they have to gain in sharing what they saw firsthand? What did they have to gain in terms of earthly stuff? Nothing. They got nothing except being persecuted, being hunted down, being killed, being despised, being hated. That's what they got for sharing this message of what they witnessed firsthand for those three years. And so you're going to tell me that all 11 are going to die for a fake cause that gives them nothing but misery in this life anyway. You know, when St. Paul went to visit a community, he didn't ask where the finest lodging was where I can stay because he was so wealthy and had all this money from his ministry. He probably asked what the jail is like because he knew he was going to end up there before it was all over. Or he had a really good chance of of not even getting out of a town alive. And, And we've seen that in the book of Acts, the times he escaped death. And ultimately willingly went off to Rome to be a prisoner where he ultimately, after writing a number of of profound writings that have survived, had his head cut off because he was a believer. Think of the many... So, yeah, okay, maybe maybe the 11, maybe, maybe they could keep their story together. You know what I mean? They could keep their story together. Then you need to explain to me, what about those people that heard that message? that heard the gospel message. Explain this to me. And they are picked up by Roman soldiers all throughout the empire, bought to Rome uh, to feed the very satanic desires of the bread and circus movement of that day. And people would come to, they, they would come to the Colosseum to watch Christians being pushed out on in front of everybody to be eaten alive by lions. How you know, and, and these prisoners could easily have said before they went up there, you know, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. They would have lived. They were all given a chance to deny Christ, but they walked out there and willingly died. All throughout history, and even into modern times, there are those that have given willingly surrendered their life for the cause of Christ. If you even had the slightest doubt, if you had the slightest doubt, you could easily say, you know, I'm not buying this. Maybe you're right. Maybe I ought to just accept your God. Because actually, if you're not sure, why not? You can always change your mind again later. But they won't do it. I... Remember that horrific scene, that horrific scene at the Mediterranean Sea, North Africa, 
those Coptic Christians were beheaded at the shore because they would not renounce Christ. True modern-day martyrs. And it goes on every day. The news media in this country is too intellectually, spiritually, and morally bankrupt to share those stories because it destroys their atheistic and antichrist narrative. But people in Nigeria, people all over Africa, people in China, people in parts of Asia, they're losing their life for holding on to a faith in Jesus Christ. And then the lazy Christians in the United States that won't give up anything for the cause of Christ if it's too inconvenient. Like I say, this weekend, I I just want to get away from the politics and get to the more important things in our life. The foundations, because of politics, because of, well, human and sinful nature, because of all those things, our society is in a constant now state of increasing decay. I'm sure that I've said this at least, at least, at least over the past five years. I've said this at least a hundred or two hundred times. With all the technology at our fingertips and the increase of knowledge, why is it that morally we are decaying right before your very eyes? How do you explain rioting in the streets, burning and looting, and stealing, and killing, and injuring, maiming, for some cause where we're trying to fix something that is wrong? How does how do two wrongs make a right? But in in this very weird world we live in, to some people they they can either justify that or they use it or they tolerate it. wasn't long ago and it's funny when when i look at how the news today in the united states in particular if you watch nbc if you watch your news from cbs or you get your your news from abc or cnn or msnbc you're being lied to you're being used and abused and you're there you're being toyed with to make you a useful idiot do not watch anything on NBC. Do not watch anything. I, I I refuse. I now I cannot see any more NBC programming, whether it's I don't even have an antenna. I, I refuse to watch anything on NBC, ABC and CBS because they have become so corruptive, so disgusting, and they have done more to destroy any kind of decent foundation in this country. I refuse to pay a penny toward Netflix. I don't do it. I become very selective in what I'm allowing to come into this house, our home. And if what I think, if your message is destructive, if your message is going to cause damage, if your message is going to pervert and distort and destroy, I don't want your message in my home. And you should not want that message in your home either. 
we get deceived by clever programming at times to buy a message that is not true. And I think as the as time goes by, if our if our Lord and once again you may, you can disagree with me on this, and that's fine. I'm not going to beat you over the head. I will share the message, and I will explain from time to time some sound logical reasons why I believe as I do from a pragmatic point of view. It's not an emotional thing with me. My faith is not based on my emotions. If it was, it'd be deeply changing with the wind. Like many people are today, the cause du jour. So from my perspective where I live, I believe what I do because there's evidence. I see the evidence around me every day. Even when things are difficult, even when times are horrible, even when you experience loss. And I've experienced a lot of loss in my life. I lost a wife to cancer. I had to lose almost everything I owned twice in my life. Yet, even in those times... My faith may have been challenged, but it didn't disappear. And it's ultimately my faith that got me through. Here in the United States, the odds of you and I being asked to give our lives for the cause of Christ right now is pretty much zero. But you want to know something? I believe in time even in this country, the United States, and I see it already happening in Europe, we're systematically and one little piece at a time, one little itty bitty thing, it's going to change. Let me just share this thought. I can remember when I was a child growing up in in New York State, actually outside of New York City and Long Island as a kid. If you saw somebody wearing a clerical collar, in other words, he may have been a Catholic priest, he could have been a Lutheran pastor, Methodist, a lot of them wore some kind of a collar. And and as a result, you know, people could identify that somebody was in in ministry. They were given a tremendous amount of respect and honor in society because, number one, I don't care what anybody says, non-believers don't get this. They never understand it. Until I went into ministry, I didn't fully understand this. If anybody thinks that being a true church pastor is easy to do, that it's, you know, an easy job, Man, they got it made. They just work on Sundays and this and that. And they have tax-free this. And I mean, In my ministry, I always worked a secular job with a very brief period of time for an exception. I paid my own way so the church could spend its money on sharing the good news of the gospel. I, I did not reap a big benefit of any substantial kind of, from a ministry. I was not a Joel Olstein with a big monstrous church, uh, or if you want to call it a church, you know, a big monstrous building, uh, sharing what I call this, um, in a 
feel-good pep talk message. Matter of fact, a lot of what I hear come out of his mouth is pure heresy, but that's another show for another day. But for me, it was the calling of the gospel to share the good news that I had that I knew and and to study and to learn more. And it took time. It took effort. I didn't get into ministry until I was well into my 40s. I'm 66 now, so I'm only in, I've only done this for 20. I mean, I get people all the time. Once again, I've been in ministry 20 some odd years, and I get people saying, oh, yeah, you're some kind of a minister. I'll get this on Facebook. You're just enjoying the tax benefits, and you're getting the free stuff, and they go on and on and on. And, and I'm going, man, it ain't that way, buddy. I've had to hold down, work full-time jobs, and be a church pastor and give of my own to help that church from what I made in my job. So I don't want to hear, you know, what I call the non-Christians nonsense. I don't, I get tired of people telling me all the things they think they know that are generally wrong. But they get on there with this, you know, I'm holier than thou attitude and they try to play the gotcha game. I have no time nor patience, and neither did St. Paul for people like that. My job is to share the good news, period. That's my job. That is my job in doing this radio show each and every week. Right now, I'm still doing it weekdays, still doing Monday through Friday, and Debating just the short wave side of things. We're going to have to cut back, as I said before. I mean, if you want to help, great. If not, then I will figure out which five airings for the next month or two can I afford to pay for out of my own pocket. That's what it's come down to. If short wave's important. I did learn one thing from some of the correspondents. They listen on short wave, but they found it now as a podcast. I don't have to pay for podcast time. Well, not much. That I can afford. So there are some decisions to be made. But I want to talk a little bit on the program today. I'm just wanting to share why I believe what I do, why I even feel I need to do this radio program. Maybe I don't. Maybe I should do something else with my life. Maybe I should enjoy retirement more. Maybe I should do something totally different. But for the moment... I feel led to continue, at least for a season, doing this program. We talked politics earlier this week with my good friend, Dr. Reverend Dr. Timothy Gales, and, and I appreciate his wisdom. If you understood what I know about him and what he has been through in life and where he has studied and, and his educational background, his work background, and most important, his personal experience, the things he and I have shared, we've only shared just the tiniest amounts on the program. But it's because of that that I fully appreciate the things that he he can bring to the table. And that's why I you know, equipped him with a way to, you know, where it's not just on the telephone anymore, so it should sound a little bit better. The things that we're trying to do to share with you. We live in an age of increasing deception. Of course, deception has always been a part of the human nature for as long as mankind has, has 
been around on the face of the earth. I, I get it. You know what I mean? I really do. But I want to talk about why I believe what I do and why I think it's important, why I am so deeply concerned. I mean, when I say deeply concerned, I mean deeply concerned about the direction our country's taking. And not so much what it's taking going forward, where, where we came from and how far, how far we've slipped in, in time. I didn't expect to talk this long in the first segment. It just, I really thought I would talk for a few minutes and do something else. But if you're listening, like I say, I know for a lot of you, you listen as a podcast. Some are listening on shortwave. I got to make those decisions. I may keep the four o'clock airing at Eastern time or six o'clock. Maybe I'll split the difference and see if the station can give me 5 p.m. And that'll be it. Monday through Friday. And there are a couple of weekend airings we get. But the other ones may have to go. Because that that's about all. I mean, I'm looking. Because it's really digging into savings now. So, i got to make that decision. Is there 10 people listening on shortwave? Sometimes I wonder. Is there 1,000 listening? I don't know. But maybe you could help me with that. To make me feel at least the investment we're putting in is worthwhile. You can go to our website, Truth to Ponder, which is truth, the number two, ponder.com, truth, the number two, ponder.com. And you can send me an email from the site, or you can just send it directly to me, and that's just Bob, real easy, at truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth, the number two, ponder.com. And I'll get that. No one else does. Like I say, this is not a big organization. This is not a corporation. This is not a big church body, you know, underwriting this. This is simply my wife and myself. That's it. Nobody else. And I come to my little studio room and try sometimes to prepare. Some days I don't know what I'm going to do. I get down here. I'm going, Lord, what what would you have me to say today? I just can't. I just don't know where to go. But somehow we get through it. I want to share more about, you know, like I say, why I believe what I do. Also, if you want to use regular mail, some people do. And I keep forgetting I should do this more often in the program especially those listening by radio where you can't, you know, stop it and go back. That's one of the only advantages of a podcast. You can hear it at your own time schedule and you can pause it. I know some people, they they really like the fact that it is a podcast. But the mailing address, if you want to use just regular mail, and I've gotten a couple of letters of, of late and I'll share some things that people have said. You can get a hold of me at, you know, you can write truth to ponder or just put the word Bob on there. Just like for me, Bob. And and then it's going to be 21 Berkshire, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. We do that again. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. And that is in the big city of Sky Valley. Two words, Georgia. Sky Valley, Georgia. And the... And the zip code is 30537. That is 
Truth to Ponder, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. We will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The controversial blessing. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now in Luke 4, it's recorded that Messiah began his ministry in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth by reading the scripture from Isaiah 61. Now a strange thing happens. Luke records that Messiah read these words, to set at liberty those who are bound and to open the eyes of the blind. Now critics charge that in the original Hebrew verse in Isaiah, there aren't two blessings there, only one. In other words, there's an extra blessing that Messiah read or said that isn't consistent with Isaiah 61. Now, there are several explanations for this, from the use of the ancient Greek Septuagint to the Holy Spirit's translation of a unique Hebrew word in Isaiah 61, which indicates double blessing. But in any case, critics attack the Bible and believers struggle with the controversy of the extra blessing. What's the answer? Wait a minute. We're missing the bigger point here. You have to ask yourself something. Why is this a problem? If God wants to throw in an extra blessing, that's a problem? God wants to add an extra blessing and you're going to be disturbed over it because you don't think it's consistent? God wants to throw in an extra blessing and you're going to argue the point? Don't be stupid. Be quiet and let him bless you. This all goes to show you how stupid we are and what a hard time we have accepting the blessings that God wants to add to our lives. God's blessings are never going to be consistent with our lives. That you are now a holy, beloved saint, that's not consistent with your life. It doesn't matter. Stop struggling with God's blessings. Stop arguing with them. Don't be stupid. Be quiet and let the blessings come. Just let them bless you, even if it's not called for or consistent with your life. And you know what? You'll be blessed. Want more? Ask for Messiah at the Pulpit. Now, how'd you like to be blessed with some special daily meditations and teachings with the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus to give you victory for every day of your week, updates on Israel and prophecy, and a free subscription to Sapphires, the Mystery of the Temple Doors, all free. How do you get these free gifts? You'll love them. All you need to do is remember Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. It's so easy, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to join with me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's The Nice Jewish Boy. It's Box 1111. That's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, listen, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And welcome back to the Friday and weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, formerly known on a few places as your weekend show. We do this program actually Monday through Friday, and it's heard as a podcast, and it's heard on International Shortwave. I know the weekend version is heard on a few additional radio stations, and if you're listening to one of the radio stations that play just the weekend version, if you'd like to find out more of this program, you can go to truth 2 
That's truth2ponder.com. That is truth2ponder.com. And there you can find out more about this particular program and what we do here each and every week. And also, if you want to hear the program at your convenience, there are a number of ways you can do it online. Now, I know some people have written and said that they don't do any podcast on the Internet, and I, I can understand that. And they would like me to continue on shortwave. Well, I will continue as long as I can, but understand that I am paying for it right now. And my wife and I are retired. We're not millionaires. And so the day's going to come where a little bit of help would be appreciated to keep it on shortwave if you believe it's important. You know, it doesn't take as much as you think, but it's more than I can do on my own. I want to thank a very good friend that gave a little seed gift back in early July and said, let's give it a try. So we have. And uh, we were going to leave it up to what you wanted to see happen. And so here we are today. Our program today, I'm doing everything in my power to avoid, I mean, literally everything in my power to avoid getting really political today. We've had enough politics this past week. And we'll just leave it at that. I want to talk about things that I think are more enduring, more lasting, more important than all politics. If you're looking for politics to be your savior, you're looking in the wrong place. If you're looking for politicians to fix your problems, you're looking in the wrong place. There is a person that my wife and I know. I'm not even going to say where this individual lives. But it's one of those kind of people that complains about politics and the people they like or don't like. And then you look at their life, it's the decisions you made in your life that put you in the position you're in. It wasn't some politician in a state capital or in your local town or in the federal government, whether it be a congressman, senator, uh, president, doesn't matter. When I look at a lot of the problems people face in their own personal lives, these are problems they bought upon themselves And then they look to somebody in Washington to fix their problem or to complain about their problem. A lot of people, and I understand this, I've seen it in my ministry, a lot of people, in a sense, gamble in life more than they should. A lot of people try to accumulate a lot of stuff in life. It's like the guy that ends with the most toys wins mentality. And I've seen it destroy families. I look at some people that I know around my family or just friends and what have you. I've got one I got one member of my family. And a lot of people should almost be in the out of the Bible says don't covet, but you may want to look at how they live and how they're raising their family. And maybe maybe instead of worrying about the fanciest house, they they bought a piece of property inexpensively out in the country and a double wide mobile home and a little four wheeler and they have four children they both have good jobs they could easily take all that money and buy a big house and maybe a fancier car but you want to know what happened 
their quality of life would tank. Because see, then they'd be chasing the money. And so when the kids were coming along, the mother would have to have worked in order to pay for this big house or these big car payments or these expensive vacations and other things that people put so much stock into having to have. Instead, they invested in a piece of dirt and a small mobile home, a double wide, that so it gets damaged with kids and all the stuff, they're happy. I've never seen a couple that is more in love with each other, loves their children, and has a close-knit family because they're not chasing after expensive stuff and things. In other words, all the things that are important that the children need, they get. And they've got some nice little toys to go along with it. Toys that they, in essence, play together with as a family. And that's why, as these kids get older, they're so close and respectful of their parents. They have not been given everything from from when they when they could just barely walk. They're learning how to help around the house. And I think that gives a lot of kids some self-esteem to be able to accomplish and do certain things. I'm not trying to be critical here. My mother, God rest her soul, was very protective of my brother and myself and my sister. So, you know, the, you know keep out of the kitchen. My grandmother, on the other hand, Here's the stove, here's the buttons, and here's the stuff. Learn how to cook. And you make a few mistakes, but we live to understand how to do certain things, just like these kids are. And when you see these kids, members of my family, and I'm proud of them, they do well in school. How about that? They do well in church because they go. You follow? There are some things that are more important in life than the stuff you accumulate. Now, I ran off on a rabbit's trail there about the family members, so I'm gonna get back to this couple that I know. They have to live in the biggest and finest house, and when something comes along, they had no rainy day fun. They weren't prepared for when things don't go exactly as you planned. It's almost a gamble. You take on too much of a house, too much of a car, too much of this, too much of that, and if something goes wrong, it could be a health problem. It could be the loss of a job, a company going under. Look what happened in 2008. The economy tanked and people lost their jobs. The bottom fell out of the real estate market. And they had so little to show for what they they had done all their life. And that's a sad place to be. But guess what? It happens. Life is not fair. And government can never make your life fair. I'm not trying to talk politics. I'm just trying to say where your strength needs to come. If you become dependent upon others to take care of your needs, well, you're you're putting yourself at a great risk. I don't know where this idea has crept in in the last 150, 200 years in some people's minds that we need to be collective. Now, someone's going to write me and say, well, doesn't the Bible say in the book of Acts that these new converts, they pooled their resources together and did certain things? Yeah, it does. Because they believe firmly, and in many cases they were right, their time was going to be short. 
And that's why many, many, especially around Jerusalem, they did pull the resource together. And guess what? In 77 AD, Jerusalem was destroyed. They saw the importance of spreading the message more than acquiring stuff, except one couple, and that's another story for a whole other message for another day. Not everybody is told to, to pull their resources in the Scripture. Once again, I'm not trying to get into the politics here, but no government should ever insert the authority and role of the church. If, if the church is felt led to do that, then they do it. They don't need the government doing it for them. Let's put it that way and leave it right there. These are things that you do. You don't have a secular body demanding these things be done by everybody. If you're not willing to do it on your own, I guess you don't really believe in what you're believing. So where, where am I trying to go with this? We live in a world today where we put value on stuff that we shouldn't put the value on. You know, my, my wife enjoys watching one of the TV channels we get that has some of the old TV shows on it. One of her favorites is Little House on the Prairie. And I get to watch it occasionally when I'm, when I'm able to be not in my office and doing the stuff that I'm doing like this radio show. And you go back and it's hard to believe that television back not that many decades ago actually shared value, a storyline, and something positive. Now, of course, the world today has got to trash that narrative and any book that that gal ever wrote, which created the series, Little House on the Prairie. But when I watch the program, you see life lived. And sometimes life is not fair. People die. People lost their eyesight. All, all kind of things happened in that series. But there was always this message that was more important than the circumstance, where faith and family played a huge part in their survivability, sustainability, and gave them hope and purpose. There was nobody back in those days of Little House on the Prairie that was going to a state capital or Washington, D.C. to send you stuff and money and, and take care of you every little need. There was a certain level of responsibility that we've lost sight of that. In my lifetime, I've watched this deterioration occur fairly quickly, which to me is a sad state of affairs to have to admit that we that we got to that point where people have become looking for other people to meet their need. You know, getting back to that family member, now that just this thought just crossed my mind. How many young people today that are 13, 14, 15, 16 believe they are entitled to a brand new iPhone every so often from mom and dad? Or maybe the government should give us a phone and a free education and free this, free that, and free the other. This entitlement mentality is something that is foreign to me, foreign to the time in which I was raised, yet there are people raised in my time that have embraced it, and it's going to be their own self-destruction. All these kids and their little iPhones 
and so many do nothing to earn them. But see, moms and dads will give them those little phones to keep them out of their hair. Because see, mom and dad is working those two different jobs, trying to pay for this overpriced house, trying to pay for an SUV and some other car, and a big cell phone bill, and an internet bill, and a cable or satellite bill. Unless they got smart and cut the cord. Life is not measured by how much stuff you accumulate. Back in the late 1990s, as I started in ministry, and I was the pastor of a small church mission, you know, the kind where I have to have a job to pay myself to be able to serve that church because they didn't have enough to support me and what little they did have in a small group. I wanted them to invest into the future and helping this church to grow, not me, helping the church be a resource in their community. And that's what we did. But you know, I also gave some of my time to being a hospice chaplain. And and that can be an eye-opening experience. Dealing with people, especially those that expected to live a long life, And once again, it goes back to that mentality of the guy with the most toys at the end of the game wins. And how many people, especially when they really don't have security in a belief system, they get toward the end of their life, and all of a sudden, all the years they spent working these these jobs and and chasing the dollar to get an early retirement or have all these things, all of a sudden, for the first time in their life, these things don't matter. All of a sudden, this this need to have the big house, this need to have a fancy car, this need to have stylish clothing, this need to have the newest phone, this need to have the biggest screen TV set, this need for all this stuff, all this stuff, and during the years they were acquiring all this stuff, they ignored their children, became oftentimes estranged from their parents in the process. And all the foundations of life were tossed into the waste bin. Things like faith were not important. After all, it's just some abstract idea of some sky fairy, whatever. I mean, I've heard it all before. Believe me, I've heard it all before. And I've also seen those that when they finally look at their lives in the mirror for the first time, not all, there are some that are very arrogant. They look at their life and they'll say these words to me, what a waste, what a waste of my life. All I did was work for money and a little time on the weekend. I remember that song when I was a disc jockey back a million years ago. Working for the weekend. Remember that song? Working for the weekend. I I, I put in five days of my life. I beat myself up. I get up early. I go to work. I come home. I'm tired. I eat. I go to bed, watch the news, whatever the case may be. I'm living for the weekend. I'm living for the weekend. I'm living for 
basically 104 days out of 365. The other 200 and some odd, I just sacrificed for the cause. Now, as a believer myself, I understand the value of work. I get it. I do it. I did it all my life. I used to get up at 3.30 in the morning. I look back at my early radio career, and I have to sometimes wonder, in my first 10 years, was I really doing the right thing? I mean, I was trying to become, I had a goal when I was in high school, and and I did all the tech school, college, and everything else. I was going to achieve this goal. I was going to be, and I'm sure all of us have had some goal, you know, not the one when you're six and you're going to be a fireman or whatever the case may be back in the 50s and 60s, but I decided by the time 1969 rolled around, I'm, I'm a teenager, I've been a teenager for a little while, and I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, I would love to be a radio disc jockey, radio announcer. This is what I want to do with my life. I just liked it, and I didn't realize how hard the work was going to be, how competitive it is, and how lousy it can pay. But I figured maybe I could be, when I turn 27, 28, maybe 30 years of age, if I can hang in there for like 10 years, I too could make it to WLS Chicago, WABC New York, KMOX, or you know some big station somewhere if I just worked hard enough. And so I did. But it meant taking jobs in markets where I had to get up early in the morning to do the morning show and do other things. And I seldom got home before six, seven o'clock at night. Barely enough time to eat and fall asleep to do it over again the next day. And I'll tell you, it does take a toll on your life and your married life. I look back now and I missed 10 wonderful years because I was so busy trying to achieve something in a job. And I woke up one day and said, you know, I could be just as happy in the engineering side where I have more time with my family and it would also help my church attendance vastly. And that's what we did made those changes to decide this job for for me and my, look if I was single and not planning on getting married for a while it would have been a great job but as you get into the adult things of life it's time to as saint paul says put the things of your childhood away and i woke up one day and realized enough was enough was enough I'd given up enough of myself for somebody else, and what did I have to show for it? A number of moves that you make because that's the nature of the beast in radio. You know, if you remember the TV show WKRP in Cincinnati, you know, moving up and down the dial, and now I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. And that that is so true in the life of what people do in the broadcast industry as we know it today. I get it. I was there. I did it. And honestly, I'll never do it again. There's some things that are just not worth giving up your family, your friends, your ideals, and things that may even compromise your faith. Those are decisions you have to make. We'll probably talk about that more next week. By the way, this is Truth to Ponder. 
I want to invite you to take some time to visit our website. It's truth2ponder.com. That is truth and the number 2ponder.com. We do the radio show as a podcast, and I'm really trusting you know, how that can grow. And I'm looking at some other projects we'll be talking about in the weeks ahead, uh, some online radio things that I'm dealing with, which are really obtainable and doable. I'm, I'm really diligently having to redecide the radio side of this on air, especially the shortwave broadcast Monday through Friday. Those are beginning to take their toll, not, not on me in terms of my time. I'm willing to keep putting the time in to do the program. But, but I'm getting to the point that it's going to start impacting us in a way that you know, we, we just simply can't do in our retired state. And so, you know, I got to decide the probably the first airings to go will be the 10 o'clock Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and probably one, the other two that are on 5850 on WRMI Monday and Tuesday, those are going to be gone. And it may just come down to one airing, maybe at five o'clock Eastern time. Don't know yet. We're, we're, we'll, we'll know in a few days. But if you think the program has merit, let me know. You can also write me. Uh, U.S. mail is just truth to ponder. My name is Bob Bierman, B-I-E-R-M-A-N-N, and the address is 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, in the big city of Sky Valley, Georgia. That's Sky Valley, Georgia. Zip code is 30537. That is 30537. And if you want to help with the program, if you can, if you go to the website, truth2ponder.com, there is a link for support. You can use PayPal, and anything you do will help. We've had a few people along the way that have been been very kind to help out the program. Would you consider it? Like I say, we do this as I don't get paid to do this. I do this because I believe the program has a merit and has importance. So don't forget the website, truth2ponder.com. Next week, I want to take a better look at this world around us and how we fit in and some of the changes that I see that are about to come upon us. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.